Thank you for listening to this message from Faith Builders. Pastors Philip and Michelle Still are dedicated to building your faith and framing your world by the Word of God. There are many more resources available on our website, www.buildfaith.net, where you can find links to our audio and video archives. We also invite you to join us online for our live stream services. Remember to build your faith and frame your world by the Word of God. Let's go to Ephesians 4, and I want to continue tonight with this that we have been on, the mature believer. I believe this is part 11, and uh, uh, in Ephesians chapter 4, and we're going to begin with verse 11, uh, I've said this often throughout this series that the goal of the Christian life is maturity. The goal of the Christian life is to grow up uh, into Christ. And, uh, you know, Brother Hagin said something uh, very often in his ministry. Brother Hagin was a great lover of the local church. And he promoted the local church at every opportunity that he had. But he made a statement. People would ask him, they would say, uh, what do you think God is doing in this era that we live in? And he would always make the statement, he would say, uh, God is raising up strong local churches that know how to flow in the Spirit. Strong local churches that know how to flow in the Spirit. Well, if you're going to have a strong local church, it has to be full of mature people. All right? Maturity is, is, is uh, where strength comes from. And uh, again, the, the, the evidence of maturity is not operating in the gifts of the Spirit, and anointing to preach, uh, knowing a lot of Scripture, although those are all important and vital, that is not evidence of spiritual maturity. What is evidence of, spirit, evidence of spiritual maturity is that the fruit of the Spirit are operating in your life. That, that is the evidence of spiritual maturity. Amen. And so here in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 11, the, Apostle, the Holy Spirit through the Apostle Paul said, And he, of course, Jesus, gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, and some pastors and teachers. For what purpose? The perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ, until we all come in the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, unto a perfect man, under the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro, carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of men and cunning craftiness, whereby they lie in wait to deceive, <clears throat> but speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Now, of course, we've looked at this several times, the word perfecting there in uh, verse 12. It means to be equipped or furnished. And so it says these, these uh, uh, five-fold ministry gifts are for the equipping or the furnishing of the saints. Uh, and then it says, for what purpose? For the work of the ministry so that the body can be edified. And so that tells us that the purpose for the ministry of any person is the edification of the body. All right, the building up of the body. Not, not, not just so the person is ministering. It's, it's for the edifying of the body. And then in verse 13, it says this. It says, uh, un uh, until we... All, uh, until we all come to the unity of the faith, the knowledge of the Son of God, under the measure of the statue of the fullness of Christ, a perfect man. Well, that word perfect, perfect man, means uh, fully grown or a mature person. So this, this uh, furnishing, this equipping is for the purpose of growing up. Amen. All right, becoming fully mature, becoming a fully grown adult. Hallelujah. Now, in verse 15, then he says, speaking the truth in love. And we've talked about that, enfolded in love, all right? And a mark of spiritual maturity is the ability to speak the truth in love, all right? To walk in love, to act in love, amen. Now, love is at the very center of the believer's maturity. Love is, is the foundation, all right, love is, the, is, is the, the center point, all right, of the believer's maturity. The evidence of maturity is, number one, the ability to walk in love. 
And secondly, the desire to walk in love. I have to pursue love. All right? Uh, the Apostle Paul, when he was writing, you'll remember in 1 Corinthians 12, he talked about ministry gifts, and he said uh, uh, all of these, when he was talking about uh, the gifts that were placed in the church, he said, uh, verse 31 of 1 Corinthians 12, covet earnestly the best gifts, and then he said, yet I show you a more excellent way. All right? And then, of course, in the letter, there was no chapter break, so he goes into the next paragraph and begins to talk about love. Amen. And so I have to pursue love. I have to make love my great aim. That My desire, my aim, my goal is to walk in love, to function in love, to make that my aim in my life. Amen. All right? Hallelujah. In Galatians 5, and we've been bouncing around Galatians 5 throughout this series. And that's okay because we're growing. But Paul makes a statement. It's a familiar verse in our circles, but he makes this statement. He says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision availeth anything nor uncircumcision. But here's what avails something. Faith which worketh by love. Faith which works by love. The uh, Godspeed translation says, only faith acting through love. Uh, the Knox translation says, the faith that finds its expression in love is all that matters. The faith that finds its expression in love is all that matters. Uh, the Amplified Bible says, if we're in Christ, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything, but only faith activated and expressed and working through love. Amen. Amen. So we see here and we understand faith is vital. All right? Faith is vital. Faith is irreplaceable. All right? It's irreplaceable because the Bible states very plainly, without faith, we can't please God. All right, Hebrews 11.6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please him. Amen. All right. And so faith is irreplaceable. But notice something. Yet this vital, irreplaceable force is inactive and unexpressed without love. Amen. Amen. Romans 12 and 3 says that every man has, every born again person has received the measure of faith. All right? So every born-again person has a measure of the God kind of faith. All right? A measure of saving faith. But he makes the statement that without love, all right, it is unexpressed and inactive. All right? Even though it is vital and irreplaceable in the life of the believer, you have to have faith. We live by faith. We walk by faith. We, we see by faith. We talk by faith. But this is so important because without love, he says it's inactive. It's there, but it's inactive. It's not been activated. Yeah. Amen. You can confess all you want by faith, but if I'm not walking in love and acting in love, it's just words. Because there's no activity. There's no, there's no, there's no activator to it. Amen. If a recipe calls for two ingredients and you only use one of them, what you're making isn't going to turn out right. Amen. If you're baking something, all right, I've, I've done this myself and, had, and seen it done. If you're baking something and you, don't, you leave out an ingredient or two ingredients, something's not going to taste right because all the ingredients aren't there. Amen. Love is the activator. Love is is the foundation. Love is the starting point. Yes, sir. Amen. Now, now, I grew up in West Texas, bless its holy name, and, uh, and, and, and I grew up around agriculture, and, and I was a working cowboy for, for years, all right? And uh, here's something, that the, an analogy that the Lord gave me. Now, on a, on a working cowboy's horse, on his rig, on a saddle, all right, or hers, but here's the point. 
on, on that rig on a saddle, there are two indispensable pieces of equipment on that saddle. It's the, what they call the front cinch and the back cinch. All right? Well, here, here's, here's the key to this. When you saddle a horse, the first thing you do is tighten the front cinch. Now, it has a back cinch. Now, the front cinch is, a, is, a, is like a belt of woven cotton, all right? And it's, it's hooked to a, a large D-ring and, and, and hooked to the other side of the saddle, and you run it under the horse, and, and you pull it tight, and, and you got to do several folds of the, leather, of the leather belt, and then you pull it up and run the, the tongue through the, the eyelet, and you tighten it down, all right? That front cinch holds that saddle secure. It, it stops it from moving side to side. All right, very important because that saddle can't, can't move side to side. Now, the back cinch is important on a working cowboy's saddle because here's what it does. It stops the back of that saddle from rising up. All right, now, if, if you look at it, at a, like, for instance, an English jumper saddle, all right, it's really small and it has one cinch right around the, 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 under the under part of the horse, right up behind his legs. Well, why don't they have a back cinch? They don't need it. They're not going to be roping anything. That saddle didn't even have a saddle horn. All right? If you look at a Western pleasure horse saddle, uh, which is just like a trail horse, they're just riding on trails, there's no back cinch because they're, they're not going to be roping anything. But a working cowboy's rig, you got to rope cattle in the field. you got to rope cattle in the pens. And when you rope a calf and you jerk the slack and you come around that horn with a dally, the whole weight of that animal hits the end of that rope. And if you don't have a back cinch, the back of that saddle will pop up. All right? So you have to have both of them. But here's the thing. The front cinch is the most important because it's what keeps everything together. All right? If you break a back cinch, you're okay. You can get home on that. If you break a front cinch, you can't ride because the saddle won't stay. When you saddle a horse, the first cinch you tighten is the front and then the back. When you unsaddle a horse, the first cinch you undo is the back and then the front. And here's why. Because if you undo the front first and leave the back hooked and that horse boogers or that horse takes off, that saddle will roll around under his belly and hurt him. It's the front cinch. And every, everything, all the weight of what that cowboy does is on that front cinch. Love is what keeps everything tight. Love is what keeps you from being moved. Knowledge of your love, God's love for you, your love for Him, and your love for other people. All right? It's, it's so important. Notice Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 38. It makes this statement. Oh, hallelujah. It makes this statement in Hebrews 10 and 38. That's made three times in the New Testament and once in the Old Testament. And it, 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 it states this. Now the just shall live by faith. The just shall live by faith. Now we as believers, we're the just or the justified. All right, we are justified in God's sight. We are the just. We live, notice, by faith. So as the just, as the justified, it's just assumed we live by faith. That's what we do. We live by faith. We walk by faith. Amen? I mean, every day is a faith day. Hallelujah. But notice something. We can't live by faith if our faith isn't active and energized. I can't live by something that's not working. And Galatians 5 says that what gives energy, what gives operation to my faith is love. Amen. Faith is how we're supposed to live. But love is the active ingredient that causes our faith to work. Amen. If... uh, if you've ever had, for instance, real simple example, uh, a rear view mirror come off your windshield and you go down to the auto store and you, you buy uh, 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 the, the compound to put that rear view mirror back up on your windshield. 
Well, you don't just get one tube in that package. You get two. You get the cement and the activator. Amen. Right? You get the cement and the activator. Well, what's that mean? In that cement tube is everything that's needed to secure that rear view mirror back to your windshield. But it's not going to work like it should without the activator. And once you combine the two compounds, it will say immediately get it up on the windshield. Why? Because it's going to start, it's going to start working immediately. And they'll say, mark the place that it needs to be in and get it up there and don't get it on your fingers. Right? Because it'll, it'll activate. Are you following me? Hallelujah. Many are attempting to operate in faith without activating their faith through love. You can't be a believer that's constantly falling over into the flesh and stepping out of love and expect your faith to keep working. You can't be a believer that's, that's constantly entering into strife, having a, 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 a living after the flesh. And I, I'm not saying after, necessarily after sin in, in that regard, but you, can't, you cannot step out of love and keep expecting your faith to stay energized. It won't work. It won't happen. It will not work that way. Amen. Because it requires those two ingredients. Faith... And love. Glory to God. Now, in, uh, back in Galatians 5, Paul makes this statement <coughs> in verse 13. He says, For brethren, you have been called to liberty. Only use not liberty for an occasion of the flesh, but by love serve one another. For all the laws fulfilled in one word, in this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, take heed that you be not consumed one of another. This I say then, walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. The Amplified Bible says the whole law concerning human relationships is complied with in one precept. You shall love your neighbor as you do yourself. So faith has to be combined with love in order to work and function at a high level. He said that, and, and, and remember, that we're saved by grace through faith. We, we, we're not under law because we're under faith. We don't, we don't access the promises of God by works. We access them by faith. And he says that what you do is that when you walk in love towards your brother, towards your fellow believer, that you're fulfilling the entire law, but you're walking in love with them by faith. And if I want that to function at a high level, I have to combine it with love on a consistent basis. Amen. Let's look at 2 Corinthians 13. And we haven't been in 2 Corinthians 13 a lot in this series. We may get there a little more. Uh, but verse 1, 2 Corinthians chapter, or 1 Corinthians, I'm sorry, I said 2. 1 Corinthians 13 and verse 1. He says, Though I speak with the tongues of men and angels, and have not love, I'm become as a sounding brass or a tinkling cymbal or a noisy gong. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and I have all faith so that I could remove mountains and have not love, I am nothing. The Woost Bible says, if I have all faith so that I'm able to keep on removing mountain after mountain, but I'm not possessing love, I'm nothing. The Amplified Bible says, I'm a useless nobody. One other translation, 26 translation, says, I would still be worth nothing. Now, here's what I want you to see. The issue here is not a lack of faith. It's a lack of love. This is so important 
Because he said, I could have enough faith to remove mountain after mountain, but if I do not walk in love, it will do me no good. It won't do me any good. I, he said, I can have enough faith to remove mountain after mountain, but yet if I'm not activating it through love, it will not function. Amen. Without love, I become useless. Why? There's no way to express my faith. There's no way to express it because there's no activator. I have faith, but no activator. I have faith, but no, nothing to energize it. Amen. Amen. You can have the best, the, the, the top of the line, the newest vehicle that there is on the, on the planet. And if you don't have a battery and an alternator, you're not going anywhere. Amen. Amen. Right? And, 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 and the alternator is even really more important than the battery. In, in the long-term scheme of things. Because, because if you have a bad alternator, if you've ever been driving down the road or anywhere else, and all of a sudden you just lost power, you might have thought in the beginning it was just the battery. So you went and got a new battery and put it in there and it didn't run a couple days. But then the same thing would happen. Well, what was it? The power plant was not energizing the thing. See, the battery is faith. There's plenty of juice in there. It'll do the job. But if, if I don't have a proper energizing source, if I don't have an alternator on that car, then everything is running off of the battery, and it wasn't supposed to be running off the battery. The battery provides that initial charge for the car to get going. And then the alternator kicks in, and it's the power plant. Is that right? Amen. Amen. So what is the power plant? The power plant is love. Faith will do its job when it's energized and activated and functioning through love. Amen. So it, I become useless because there's not, a, there's not a way to express my faith. Because there's no energy behind it. One of the greatest acts of faith is simply walking in love. Simply walking in love. Well, let's, let's look at some of this. Forgiving. You forgive by faith. When somebody comes and says, I, you know, I want to ask you to forgive me. And you say, okay, yes, I forgive you. Done. You did that by faith. Amen. You might not have felt like forgiving. You might not have even seen a reason to forgive. They might not have done anything that warranted in the natural forgiveness. But because you're walking in love and forgiveness is a key part of love, then you forgave by faith. I have forgiven people that I didn't trust as far as I could throw them. But I've forgiven them. People say, do you start trusting them? No. But I forgave them. Be, amen. Be, be, do you understand what I mean by that? I had to do it by faith. And not just because there's so much on the line. It's because I, I want my faith to be in top working order. I want everything that I, I want everything in my life to be in alignment with what God wants. Because, because you don't have time to get ready when stuff shows up. You got to be ready. Right? Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Have you ever, have you ever been, uh, you know, you're, you're, you're going to go pick somebody up and, and uh, uh, you tell them, well, I'll be there at seven. Well, you know, uh, a person of average intelligence understands if they're going to be there by seven, I need to be ready before seven. Right? But how many times have you pulled up at seven? I'm going to be there at seven. And they're not ready. Amen. They're, they, they're not ready. Well, they didn't plan. They, they didn't prepare to be ready. Amen. When you forgive by faith, you're doing that because you want to be ready for whatever God has for you. You want, you want to be in line with God's purpose so much that you're forgiving 
Whoever needs forgiveness, and you're doing it by faith. I have forgiven people that I had a hard time liking, but I had to do it by faith. I have forgiven people that did me wrong and wanted to let me know that I needed to forgive them, that I was the one wrong, and they did me wrong. Had to do it by faith. It required faith. I had to remind myself, no, I'm, I have forgiven them. Those thoughts would come into my mind. They did this. No, 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 no. I have forgiven them. I have forgiven. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Do, do you see that? See, I've learned something pastoring a church, and I haven't had a lot of people leave. I've had people leave my churches, unfortunately. But here's, here's something I've understood. Most of the time when people leave your church, you're the problem. When, when they first came, you were the greatest thing since sliced bread. I mean, the revelation that you possessed was a phenomenal. I've never heard anybody preach like you. Oh, I've never heard anybody preach on faith like you. And then when they were leaving, it's, ah, he's shallow. He don't care. He's uncaring. He doesn't love. Right? Well, you got to forgive those people by faith. Well, why? Because they'll probably come back. A lot of times they go out and starve for a while and figure out they had it pretty good at home and they come back. And you can't be mad and upset at them when they show back up. So you got to forgive by faith and leave it go. Amen. Why? Because that will affect everything else that you do. That will affect the growth of your ministry. That will, that will affect your finances. Oh, hallelujah. Uh, so forgiving, then refusing to pay attention to a suffered wrong. You got to do that by faith. Not paying attention to a suffered wrong. Amen. Amen. See, you, you do that by faith. I'm, I'm not going to let that distract me. Hallelujah. But that's what love does. Love doesn't pay attention to a suffered wrong. Yeah, but they did me wrong. I, I understand, but you need energized faith, so you need to walk in love and not pay attention to it. Well, what does that mean? You just go on about your business as if they didn't do anything to you. Amen. Brother Hagin told the story one time about the minister that came to his church, and uh, he never really went into it. He never... Uh, of course, I've, I've listened to Brother Hagin for decades, and he never went into it. Never. In any message that he mentioned, it, he never went into it. But he would just say, this man did me severe wrong, severe hurt. And he said, uh, I asked him, uh, what did he get at larger churches? And he told me how much he got in the offering. And he said, uh, and so I made the decision to give him three times that much. And he said, I gave most of it out of my own pocket. And he said, the enemy would come to him and say, well, if I was you, I wouldn't take up an offering for him at all. And he said, I told the devil, Mr. Devil, I'm walking in love. And if you don't shut up, I'm going to take him up three offerings. And then he would say, you know, the devil doesn't want a preacher getting one offering, let alone three. But, but, but here's the point. He said, I, I've never told anybody what he did to me. I've never, I've never mentioned it because I'm determined to walk in love. When you're determined to walk in love, somebody may do you wrong, but you don't pay attention to it. You focus on walking in love. If you're focused on walking in love, you don't have time to focus on being hurt or offended. Because I'm focused on walking in love. Amen. And, and what's happening the whole time? Boy, your faith is getting energized. Your, your faith, right? And God honors that. God will honor the person that will walk in love and make that a decision that I'm going to walk in love irregardless. Yes, Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, well, well they, you know, but they really did me wrong. I, no doubt they did. And I understand they probably did. But here's the thing. According to Scripture, love doesn't pay attention to it. And you got to do that by faith. Uh then keeping no record of hurts. That's what 1 Corinthians 13 says. It talks about uh, love. And uh, I, I want you to see this because uh, uh, this, this is so important. <clears throat> 
He says, talks about love suffers long, love is kind, love envieth not, love doesn't vaunt in itself, is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly, seek not her own, is not easily provoked, thinks no evil. All right? Uh, one translation, the Amplified Bible says it keeps no record of hurts. Now, this is so important because the concept there is an accounting term. There are people that you know and I know They can tell you the day, where they were at, what them and the other person was wearing when they were done wrong. They've kept a record. They have have a detailed record book. But the Bible says that love doesn't keep a record. See, you remember Ephesians? We, we read it. It says in, in the book of Ephesians chapter uh, 4, it says, uh, Be kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, has forgiven you. So who am I to, wa- who am I to forgive as? God. Well, when I think about this, when you got born again and you came to God, with all of the baggage, all of ever how big or little it was, every, every one of us in here, the, the thing that we all have in common is whenever we were saved, however old we were, we were all sinners. And we had all sinned. Everybody needed something to be forgiven of. I know people that got saved when they were four years old. That Well, if they got saved, they got under conviction, there was something they needed to have forgiveness for. Everybody. Right? And, and the Bible says this. The Bible says that when God saved us, that He took the writing of ordinances that was against us and moved it out of the way. In, in the Greek, that carries the idea of when they would be training children to write and students to write. In that day and age, they wrote on this papyrus paper and they used very inexpensive ink. They didn't use the good ink. They used very inexpensive ink. And here's why. Because they would write and, 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 and train and then they would take a wet sponge and wipe it, wipe it off the papyrus paper and it was just like it never appeared. So there was a handwriting of ordinances that was against all of us, but when the blood of Jesus came into our life, not only did it disappear, here's the key. God acted like it never occurred. Amen. Now, God, people say, well, you know, uh, God just forgot. He chose to forget what I did. That's important. That's an important point. I'm glad you brought it up. Because God is perfection personified. Perfection cannot forget. If you're perfect, you would never forget anything. Right? Because what is, what is, what is forgetfulness? A, a imperfection. God can't forget. He's God. He knows everything. He was there. <laughs> Amen. But now what does 1 John 4, 8 say? That God is? God is love. What does love do? It forgives and forgets. So if I'm walking in love with my fellow believer, now I'm not talking about somebody that's, that's out to do wrong and, and wants to keep walking all over you. This, this is not what I'm talking about. You have to forgive that too, but you put up barriers. You put up boundaries, right? If, but if you're walking in love with your fellow believer, you forgive and forget. You forgive and keep no record. You forgive and don't bring it up. You don't bring it up to the person. You don't bring it up to other people. And you don't bring it up in conversation. Because I've forgotten it. See, that's why it's important that you call yourself love. The Bible says we are of God, little children. Well, 1 John 4, 8 says God is love. So if I'm of God, that means Philip is love. I can do it. I can walk in love. Amen. And so if I'm going to walk in love and forgive 
Right? Be kind one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake has forgiven you. Then I forgive and forget. I forgive and act like it never happened. Amen. I've had people do me wrong before and then and talk about me. And, and then, you know, come back and, 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 you know, different things. And when you'd walk by them, they'd kind of look at you like, what's he going to say? Nothing. There's nothing to say. There's nothing to talk about. Whether, whether you ask me or not, I forgave you. Amen. Hallelujah. Right? No, nobody at the foot of the cross of Christ asked him to forgive them. But he forgave them. He said without being prompted by anybody's asking, he said, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. Yeah, but the person that hurt me knew what they were doing. But that's not your mindset. The people that were crucifying Jesus knew what they were doing to him physically, but he forgave them anyway. See, this is so important. Because if I'm going to mature, if I'm going to be emboldened, if, if, if I'm going to walk in all that God wants me to walk in, this is the foundation. See, all your revelation doesn't matter if you're not walking in love. Quite frankly, if you're not walking in love, your revelation is annoying. Because I'm not, I'm not walking in love. I would rather listen to somebody who is as shallow as a baby's wading pool but knew how to walk in love. Amen. Do, do, do you see that? That's so important. Because, because that is the kind of thing that changes people's lives. I've, I've sat under pastors that quite frankly could not preach their way out of a wet paper bag, but they knew how to love people and they knew how to be compassionate and caring about people and people's lives were changed. But right on the other hand, I've sat under people with, with l- large scores of numbers after their names. And, and, been, been, and there's nothing wrong with that. Please don't misunderstand me. But I'm saying, you know, they, they had all the preaching prowess and they could put all the thoughts together. And, but they, they wouldn't walk in love. They wouldn't constantly care for people and have compassion for people. And it was just hard to be around them. Mmm. Do you see that? We love by faith. We love by faith. Everything I want to do by faith is dependent on how I walk in love by faith. Everything I want to do by faith is dependent on how I walk in love by faith. Love is the front cinch. Love is what keeps everything solid. Love is what keeps everything grounded. All right? I I refer back to that analogy. If I don't keep that front cinch tight, then I'm going to hurt my horse. And here's how I'm going to hurt my horse. Because that saddle has swells on either side of it, all right? And it sets right over that horse's withers, right over that horse's shoulders. And if I don't have that saddle tight, it it can rock. It can rub those withers. And if you get a sore on your horse's withers, that horse is out of commission for at least a few weeks. Because it, you, you've heard the phrase, saddle sore, that's what it is. That saddle rubs a sore on that horse's withers. And you've got to take salve, and you've got to doctor it, and you've got to keep the flies off of it. And, and eventually it'll heal, and all the hair on that sore spot will come back white. Always comes back white for whatever reason. But, but here's, here's the point. What was the purpose? What was the reason? Because the saddle wasn't tight. Because the cinch wasn't tight. A lot, of, a lot of people, there's things rubbing them in their life and it's because the, the cinch of love is not tight. If you cinch down love and you tighten down love, things will quit rubbing. Things will quit rubbing. Hallelujah. Amen. And, 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 and that's so important. That's so important. If, if, if you have a horse with uh, very high withers, all right, in other, in other words, they're, they're, their withers really are up. You, you got to do some different things. You, you got to put more padding on that horse. You, you can't ride with a thin blanket because there's too much contact there. Amen. 
See, ever how much you want to do for God or you want God to do for you, you got to increase the love. You got to pour on the love. Amen. Hallelujah. Now, 1 Corinthians 13 and 8. Notice it says, love never fails. Love never fails. Well, you know, the God kind of faith never fails. He says, love never fails. So, the essence of this is in walking in love, I'm never going to come up on the short end of the stick. Mm. Hallelujah. That's important because it never fails. Now, one last verse. Let's look here. 1 Corinthians 13, 13. And now abideth faith, hope, and love. These three, but the greatest of these, notice what it says, the greatest of these is love. What stands out above all the rest is love. Now, one translation, the New English Bible says, in a word, there are three things that last forever, faith, hope, and love. These three are eternal, and notice, they're dependent upon each other to operate. Faith is the substance of hope. Hope gives faith something to act on. Love energizes faith. When you step out of love, you'll quit hoping. Because the picture will go blank. Hallelujah. When, when you step out of love, faith will stop working. Because there's no energy. When you're walking in love, the picture is vibrant. Faith is vibrant. Amen. And that's why when people are struggling, very often, not all the time, but very often, I'll tell them, you need to check your love walk. Check your love walk. That's, if I am facing anything that doesn't seem to be moving, the first place I look is my love walk. Now, that's not always the case, but that's the first place I look. Why? Because, because that's the big one. That, that just unplugs everything. I can never afford to get out of love. Amen. I can, I can be challenged. I, I can get in the flesh. You know what I mean by that? Have a flesh fit. But I, but I got to get back over into love. Now, hopefully we're not having those a lot, you understand. But <laughs> I got to get back over into love. Because that will just unplug the whole thing. It won't just slow things down. It'll stop it. When you step out of love, everything grinds to a halt. Why? Because you remove the energizer. You remove the power plant. You remove the alternator. And, and when the alternator's bad, the car's not moving. And that's why Paul said through the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit through Paul said, I can have enough faith to remove mountain after mountain. You have to build faith and love simultaneously. Hallelujah. Be, be, because the opportunity to walk in love is going to come around much more frequent than anything else. I, I dare say some of y'all had the opportunity to walk in love on the highway today. How many times? <laughs> right? I know Pastor Michelle was working on, on something with our phone lines today, and she was on the phone with AT&T for two hours. I know she worked her love. Right? It, it, isn't that funny? You, you call and they say, our goal is to give you fast and prompt service. Your estimated wait time is one hour and 20 minutes. And you just want to yell at the phone, well, you're not living up to your goal, buddy. Right? I can see by the laughter, I'm not the only one that feels that way at times. But, but, but right? But you got you to step back and, and walk in love. Amen. So those opportunities come around all the time. All the time. The, these three are eternal. Now, the greatest is love. Why? Because it's the power source for the other two. The greatest 
is what powers the others. The greatest is what powers the others. People will say, well, well, what's more important, the car or the key to the car? Well, neither one of them operate independent of the other. But here's the bottom line. If you don't have a key, the car's not starting. Unless a thief and a robber comes up some other way. <laughs> right? So you can go out into your garage or your driveway without a key or a fob or whatever you use to start your vehicle, and you can want to start it all you want, but it's not going to start. Amen. My, my car recognizes when you get in a certain proximity that you have that fob and it'll, it'll unlock and the lights will come on. But if I don't have that fob, it's like it don't know me. Because I don't have the channel to get the power in the car going. Amen. Amen. The greatest is love because it's the power source for the other two. And so that's why love should be our great aim. To walk in love. You know, I, I begin to learn this, and uh, I won't take very much longer. Uh, I haven't said I'm closing yet, and I didn't say it just now. I just want you to know that. because I'm storing them up. Amen. <laughs> it's, a, it's a guy, you know, when he was uh, getting close to the end of his, his message, and he'd been preaching a while, and he said, uh, who will give me five more minutes? And about, I don't know, 15, 20 people raised their hand. He said, okay, 5, 10, 15, 20, 20. And, and well, anyway. This is my first closing. I'm closing with this. But uh, 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 I, I, I've, I've spent some time uh, because it's important to me in, in my neighborhood. You know, I'm, I'm a minister. And, you know, obviously you're talking across the fence. And there all the last year, that's all people wanted to do is talk across the fence. I mean, 20 feet across the fence. And, and you know, I, I, I understand that. But, you know, of course, the conversation is always going to get to, well, what do you do? Right. And so, you know, I got one neighbor that's a retired engineer and, and I got another guy that's a that's a, a, a corporate business guy. He works in the corporate world and and got a pro basketball player that lives across the street and and and, uh, you know, different things. Then I got a, a weird house that nobody's ever at. They always mow the yard, but nobody's home. So I don't I don't know what's up with that. But uh, in any event. Uh, my point is, somebody works at the hospital, lives on the other corner. But here's the thing. You know, what do you do? Well, I'm a pastor. And then, well, where do you pastor? Well, faith builders. Well, where's that at? And then you tell them. Oh, do you have a website? Oh, yeah. And so they might be watching tonight. But, but, but here's the point. It's out there. You're a pastor. Amen. Now, I've been a pastor full-time for going on 25 years. So, I mean, it's not like there's a pressure there. But here's the point. I made the decision that if I'm going to be a pastor in that neighborhood, I'm going to do two things. I'm going to pray fervently for my neighbors, and I'm going to walk in love. Amen. I'm going to walk in love. And, you know, sometimes neighbors have a bad day. Any of y'all's neighbors ever have a bad day? And, you know, it, it comes down to this. Jesus said, love your neighbor as yourself. Amen. You know, I've got a, this, this may seem like a small thing, but hear me out. Is this okay? I've got a, uh, all of the downspouts around my house, all of them are, are in the ground except one. There are some repairs that had to be made on the house one time, and uh, 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 they had to dig in the ground, and when they dug in the ground, they had to dig up the line that the back downspout on the left back corner of the house was hooked into. And so uh, the... Uh, it was never put back in the ground. So every time it rains, of course, you got all that head pressure coming down. And my neighbor's house is down the slope from my house. And, and it's right there by his back gate. And all the water that runs out of my downspout just pools right by his gate. Now, you know, there's an Arkansas statute that says I don't have to do anything about that. Because he's at the end of the slope. I can't do anything about the slope. 
I mean, my neighbor up on the hill, his water runs down. Actually, it waters my rose bushes, so I don't worry about it too much. But, <laughs> but, but the, the, the point is, is, I don't really have to do anything about it. But, you know, I started thinking about that. If I'm loving my neighbor as myself, I'm going to fix that. Now, they're great neighbors. So I have plans in motion to get a trench dug and run a pipe out to the end of, I got a creek that runs behind my house and I'll just run the water out in the creek. And, and someone might say, well, you know, if it don't matter, I mean, why go through the expense? Because it matters to them. It matters to them. Amen. In the day and age we live in, more and more people are going to be looking for the reality of the gospel truth, and they're going to be looking for it in people that walk in love. There's so much hate and dissension in our world right now, and people aren't looking for any more token ideas about things. Listen, the world has no, no concept of what's going on. The, the world doesn't want racial unity. If the world wanted racial unity, they'd be walking in love and not anger on both sides. Amen. Well, we're, we want unity. We're, we're fighting for unity. No, they're not. Because unity requires love. And if you want unity, you've got to love your neighbor. How is it that in a church, in a local church, you can have people of all different ethnicities show up? Black, white, Hispanic, right? We've got people of all different ethnicities that come to our church. And how is it that we can all walk in love and nobody sees color and nobody's bothered by it? It's because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost. Love never demands. And so the world has no idea about how to have unity in any fashion. Amen. They think if they demand and make you do something, that that's how you fix things. It, when you demand people and you make people do things by strong arm tactics and it's people that don't have any concept of walking in love, then they get over there and they're walking in unforgiveness and all they're thinking about is how to get you back. Amen. My point in saying going through all that is the world is looking for reality. And the reality is found in the love of God. That's, that's how we're, we're going to attract people to the gospel is by walking in love. Amen. And making that our great aim. Do you believe that? Yes, sir. Amen. Say this tonight. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, you are love and I'm of you, so I am of love. I choose to make love my great aim, to walk in love, to function in love, and to be love in Jesus' name. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I believe God. Amen. So let's stand on our feet.